dietitian. And I'm Tara, a journalist. We're mums of little ones and we're also sisters. New Mums Nutrition is a podcast that helps you optimize your nutrition and thrive in this season of life. Today we are chatting about some of the key nutrient requirements that we should be on the lookout for postpartum. I'm Tara, just so you can get to know whose voice is whose. And yes, I'm Lana. This is my voice. <laughs> All right. Now, Lana, women have extrient, extrient. <laughs> That's extra and nutrient put together. I feel like you're making up a lot of words on this podcast already. All right. Women have more nutrient requirements than men, which also means that women are at more risk of being deficient than men because we have a higher need. Would you say that's right? Yeah, they have high nutrient requirements and sometimes different nutrient requirements. Sometimes it's, yeah, just different. So we're going to dive into that today. Exactly. And look, there are many reasons why women might be more deficient. But given that this is a postpartum podcast, we're going to blame the kids for this one and look at postpartum conditions and postpartum nutrients. So, and I mean, given that it's postpartum, there are also extra demands on our bodies, like breastfeeding aside, where if we've given birth, we have hormone fluctuations, wound healing, blood loss, and our bodies are in a more permanent state of exhaustion. Oh yes, those sleepless nights. <laughs> what are the key nutrient requirements for postpartum mums? I think you've got five to share with us. Is that right? Yes, I had to refine it down uh, and maybe we'll come back to some of the others another time, but I've just picked five for today. So I'll get straight into it. So in, in no particular order, I think one of the foods that we need to be focusing on are protein foods. And so generally speaking... Women, say if you haven't been pregnant or recently given birth, generally meet our protein requirements quite easily. For example, if you had a a woman who is like about 70 kilos, let's say, normally they would only need about uh, like 50 grams of protein around about, which you know when we have tubs of Chobani yogurt that are 15 grams of protein, actually meeting our 50 is relatively easy and so just something to be aware of that postpartum our requirements go up so particularly if you're breastfeeding then if you're if you're a 70 kilo woman you need at least uh, 70 grams of protein about 1 or 1.1 grams of protein for every kilo but also even if you're not breastfeeding you're still undergoing huge requirements in your body, especially if you have had an episiotomy or a C-section and you've got wound healing and protein is a particularly important nutrient when it comes to wound healing. So protein is just really important and it's also helpful for filling you up and keeping you full. Really important when we get hungry after really running a marathon that is labor. So that's the first one. Awesome. What's the second? You heard me talk about iron a lot. And so iron, our requirements actually go down significantly from when we're pregnant. When we're pregnant, we require 27 milligrams of iron. Now, normally, if you're not pregnant, if you're just an average woman, then we say 18 milligrams of iron is what we need. So in pregnancy, it goes from 18 to 27, but then it drops right down to 9 for a breastfeeding woman. And even if you're not breastfeeding, it's really relying on the fact that 
well, you're not having a period. The way they've done that calculation is assuming that your periods haven't come back yet. And so men only need eight milligrams of iron. So really it's on par with that. However, I will say for most women, we need to be mindful of even though the, re- the requirement to have every day is lower, actually you might have lost a lot of blood during labor. You might have, even while you're pregnant, uh, picked up on an iron deficiency and therefore your requirements will be much higher. And that's where getting an individualized um, supplement will be really helpful for you. And so when does that change? So you said it drops. It's mm. expected to drop, yeah. but we should still keep an eye on it. But when do we go back up to what the average woman yeah, needs? Yeah, to the 18 milligrams of iron? Yeah. I would say when your periods resume. So that's because that extra iron is accounting for that blood loss that's happening. Okay, cool. What's the third one? One that a lot of women think about during pregnancy, but not during postpartum, is actually folate. So folate, we still need more of when we're uh, when we're in that postpartum period and that's really because during that postpartum period our folate levels can remain low for several months after we give birth and so they think that this might be one of the factors that contributes to an increased risk of postpartum depression and so actually being on top of your folate is really important. And so the best, I can see the, the next question you're going to ask is, well, how do I actually get enough folate? Was Maybe one of that, them, yes. Yeah. <laughs> is actually by including sources of high folate foods. So that could be things like your leafy green vegetables, eggs contain a little bit of folate, your beans and lentils, even citrus fruits contain uh, folate and walnuts and flaxseeds are particularly uh, good for folate. That's just something to consider. Often women just think about folate for preventing the risk of neural tube defects during pregnancy. What exactly does folate do for our bodies and how do we know if we're running low on folate? Is that something they pick up in a blood test as well? You can get it tested in the blood test. There are some things that will impact your blood test levels of folate. So you probably need to get a few things tested at the same time so we can interpret them together. Particularly if you're feeling tired and lethargic, which I mean, if you're not a new mum that's not feeling that, you know, um, that's really what most of us feel. But If we pick up anything, it's just good to rule those things out. So like the iron, when you get your iron tested, we want to be testing for folate and B12. Vitamin D in particular are are a really good combo to do together. So what does folate do? So folate does lots of different things in the body. Particularly, it's really important in helping the formation for our DNA synthesis. So what that means is without folate, living cells cannot divide. And so actually it's really important. That's why it's a really key part of our neural tube, uh, which things, conditions like spina bifida and things can uh, be a result of not getting enough folate during pregnancy, which is why in every prenatal supplement, it'll have folate. Although note if you're pregnant that you shouldn't rely on just your, your prenatal supplement because it won't have enough folate. It's relying on you also eating some folate to contribute to your total folate needs and so during your postpartum period that's it's really important for helping to help different brain neurotransmitters and it 
folate also has a special relationship with B12 and they sort of work well together and so folate does lots of different things in the body but interestingly when people are low in their folate rich foods we see or sorry if we flip that if people have do eat folate rich foods they have a reduced yeah a reduction in their depressive symptoms and so you've mentioned b12 and vitamin d in amongst folate can i go out on a limb and guess that they're two of our other supplements or two of our other requirements well yes uh vitamin b12 i haven't put on my list for today but that's always the one that we should be considering and we can talk about that in a future episode that's right so tell us more about vitamin d so vitamin d is is critical Uh, the more research we're doing the more we're seeing vitamin d linked to different um particularly with our immune function so when we're low vitamin d that can increase the risk of autoimmune conditions But vitamin D actually is really helpful for helping calcium uh, to do its job in our body, for calcium to be absorbed properly in our gut, which will then have a flow and effect to our bone strength and everything like that. So in vitamin D, we can get it a little bit in some foods, but not really much. So the foods that you do want to be thinking about are things like mushrooms. You can leave them out actually in the sun and they will convert the sunlight will convert the the inactive form of vitamin D in mushrooms to the active form. But then also thinking things like salmon and even some dairy products will have a little bit, but the majority is actually out in the sun. And so making sure you're getting, you're getting that. So if we're told that we're low in vitamin D, can I just go and sunbake for half an hour? When do I actually need a vitamin D supplement? Yes. So I, I don't have the study on hand, but we'll link it in the show notes. Is there was a study that looked at the difference between women just getting their half an hour a day of sunlight. This is women who have a deficiency of vitamin D and women who were taking a supplement. And what they found is the women who were taking their vitamin D supplements as opposed to just relying on the sun increased their vitamin D levels by an extra half. The women who took vitamin D supplements increased their vitamin D levels by 30 units as opposed to the women who are in the sun who only increased it by 20 units. So if you're a tired mum, you want to do the quickest thing and the best thing that's going to help give you the energy to live your life and to take care of you and your family. And so generally, if we see a deficiency, the quickest way to get on top of your your energy levels is to take a, a supplement and that might your dosage will differ. And so that's where it's really important to get an individualized recommendation. We've covered protein, iron, vitamin D, folate. What's the last one? The last one is calcium. So I sort of hinted at that along the way. The requirements are actually not any higher. They're still a thousand milligrams per day. And so that's, that equals sort of three serves of dairy or dairy alternatives that have calcium. But we know that 70% of women are not getting enough and not meeting their calcium requirements anyway. So even though for if you're in your postpartum period or planning to be in your postpartum period, it's not any higher. Actually, most people aren't meeting it anyway. So it's a really important one to focus on so that you are actually meeting that requirement. 
What are some quick and easy ways we can increase our calcium? And is it as simple as just going and buying a bottle of calcium supplements? So generally, you know, food first is the principle that we, we go by. And so thinking about quick, easy, calcium-rich foods. So dairy is not the only way, but if we're thinking quick and easy, it is one of the quickest and easiest ways. And so that could be things like cheese, milk, yogurt. What about some alternatives that don't involve eating dairy, whether that's people who have lactose issues or people who are vegan? So lactose issues, you can get lactose-free dairy products, but soy milk or other milks that are fortified with calcium is the really key one because not all milks with a Y are fortified with calcium. So you really have to check the back of the packet and you, what you want to be looking for is if it's uh, got at least 120 milligrams of calcium. So if you look at your nutrition labels per 100 grams, so 120 milligrams of calcium per 100 grams or it might say on the front that it's fortified with calcium. That's actually a really handy hint too. Tofu and sardines are also some other different ones to throw into the mix as well to get some calcium. But also with tofu, it's the same thing, right? It has to be fortified with calcium. It has to be set, set with, with calcium. calcium. Yeah, that's right. So you can see there are a few different ways that you can get it. And so what it could look like is... Uh, having a batch of overnight oats so then you've just got something quick and easy to grab from the fridge um, or having a smoothie if you can get someone else to make it or even you whizzing it up yourself when you get a chance even having some cheese and crackers as a snack like there's some really easy ways that you can get some calcium in. when it comes to cheeses speaking from personal cheese experience I ate a lot of soft cheese after I'd given birth because people were excited that I could eat soft cheese again. And so lots of people brought me soft cheese when they came to visit my bub. Are soft cheeses the same amount of calcium as hard cheeses? Is there a particular cheese we should be trying to eat? If I'm eating triple brie and daffinoise and I'm trying to name all the fancy cheeses I know, (laughs) um, is goat's cheese higher in calcium than cow's cheese? Or cow milk cheese. Each of these nutrients, we could do a whole podcast episode on. And so I think it's probably time for a future episode to really go to a deep dive in comparing different foods. But generally speaking, cheese is always a good source of um, calcium, though you do need to be mindful of your portion sizing of cheese. To leave room for other things, you don't just want to fill up on cheese. You then well, you... we do want to fill up on cheese. That's right. That's right. You, we may want probably. to, but we we just want to be making sure that we're including all these all these nutrients that we've talked about today to have room for that. Awesome. And my, I've got one sneaky one, oh. which isn't a nutrient necessarily, but something I can't not talk about is hydration. Our requirements skyrocket, especially if you're breastfeeding, you want to be having at least three liters a day. And so a quick, easy way is just every time you have a feed, have a glass of water. Um, Just get into that habit of feeding means I'm having a drink as well. Drink of water. And just as we finish up thinking, doing this overview of the five key nutrients we should be keeping an eye on, how can we find out if we do have a deficiency and what should we be asking our doctors to check for in blood tests? 
So there's a few different ways you can check if you've got a deficiency or if you're worried if am I eating enough? Am I eating the right things? So one step would be going to your GP and getting a blood test uh, and asking for some some of the things that we've been talking about today. The other thing I would be um, doing is if you're really concerned, if you've got maybe some, some medical conditions that might impact, if you're on certain medications that impact um, nutrient absorption, you could also reach out to a dietitian who specializes in this area to get individualized advice to give you the confidence to know whether you're eating enough for your body's needs during this very critical time and easy practical ways of how to get there well i think we might leave that chat there thank you so much lana for letting us pick your brain and get a bit of an overview of what supplements and what nutrients we need to be keeping an eye on now new mums nutrition is by lana hearth an interpartum dietitian who helps new mums optimize their nutrition so they can live life to the full and tara singh i'm a journalist and i like to ask lana the hard questions And we also happen to be sisters in case you missed that. Now, Lana, before we finish up, we have a Facebook group, New Mums Nutrition. If you're not already a part of that, please go and search it on Facebook and join the community there where we encourage mums to share their questions, share their mum wins, and where Lana will often share little thoughts and tidbits on how you can optimize your nutrition in this time. Mm. And sometimes we'll even ask about different reflections on upcoming podcast episodes. And one of the things that we found was when preparing for today's episode was a lot of women have never really had anyone discuss their nutrition postpartum with them uh, unless it was maybe low iron during pregnancy or a little tidbit about breastfeeding here and there but yeah that was the really common theme that we saw when we asked women about nutrition during postpartum I actually had one woman tell me that she had asked for diet and nutrient advice because she was planning on breastfeeding and she had been told to eat healthy which is helpful, but also not really helpful because what does that actually mean? And so she felt a little bit confused by that. And we've had other mums say similar things to us, both on the Facebook group and in private message. So we want to have these conversations because we're not sure if many people are having these conversations. Well, it sounds like they're not. That's true. And so we're really, really glad that you can join us for them. Now, Lana is an accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist with a specialized interest in postnatal nutrition. She's also a Nutrition Plus dietitian, an international organization specializing in women's health and pre and postnatal nutrition. Any advice that's on new mum's nutrition is general in nature and does not replace individualized medical advice. We would also love it if you shared our podcast with your friends or with people you know who are about to give birth or have just given birth. If you know a new mum, or a mum of three or four little ones who might find this helpful, please share away. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time.